What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to this edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the evening hours of Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. Cardinals with a 6-4 win on Wednesday over the Tampa Bay Rays. Got just enough out of Dakota Hudson in that one as he goes five innings, giving up three runs, and it was the offense that finally showed up a little bit for the Cardinals. You saw good things from the top of the order. Really, the first six guys in the batting order, all six of them with at least one base hit. And then toward the bottom, a couple walks for Carlson, a walk and an RBI for Alec Burleson. But Alec Burleson was playing left field tonight, and the reason for that is the topic that we're going to talk about tonight on B-Shape Daily primarily, and that is Tyler O'Neill being scratched from the starting lineup for the second consecutive day due to what I'm reading from MLB.com's John Denton is being termed by the Cardinals as left knee tightness. Although I'm not down there in Tampa reading about this and hearing about it from afar. It certainly seems like an odd situation to me. So we want to spend some time tonight on B-Shape Daily talking about how big of a deal is it? What does it mean, if anything? And sort of dive into this situation a little bit with what we do know. And you might be thinking, well, why are we spending so much time on what ostensibly is an injury to a player or a, a very minor ailment for a player? And the guy's not even probably going to go on the injured list. Like, it seems like Tyler O'Neill based on what the Cardinals are hoping for and what they're saying about it after Wednesday night's game. They're hoping Tyler O'Neill will be back in the lineup on Thursday. But I do think that this is a bit of a microcosm of the decision that the Cardinals will be facing when it comes to Tyler O'Neill in the offseason. And so I want to explore a little bit the situation and, and how I believe it's maybe related more to the larger issue as it pertains to this player. So that's what we're going to get into tonight on B-Shape Daily. We'll talk a little bit about the game as always. Good efforts from the offense, as I mentioned. Really like what you're seeing out of Lars Newbar. Good to see Jordan Walker bounce back a little bit after having a, a bit of a downturn in his game offensively. And Paul Goldschmidt coming through with a couple of runs batted in is good to see because his numbers have taken a pretty sharp dive as well. But I want to spend some time talking about this O'Neill situation. So hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Click like on this video and let me know what you think. Are you worried about Tyler O'Neill in more of a long-range way as a Cardinal fan? Because we know what's going on. With this team, it's the outfield logjam that we have talked about for seemingly like every Cardinals season in recent memory. It's just the names might change, but the situation kind of stays the same. Too many outfielders, not enough spots for all of them, but also inconsistency with the guys that you do have in that group. Who's going to perform? Who can you count on to be in that group going forward as the Cardinals look to align their roster for next season? and make a run at being competitive again. There was a time in the middle of this season where I felt pretty confident it wasn't going to be Tyler O'Neill as part of that mix. He was out with the back injury for multiple months. It seemed at first like something that wouldn't keep him on the shelf for long, and then it kept lingering. No real substantive update on it. It just kept kind of going and going, and then it was hearing, okay, he needs a second opinion, getting an outside opinion on how to proceed, Seemed like maybe he's healthy enough, but doesn't feel confident enough in the back and in and, and risk of re-injury. Like just a kind of a weird back and forth in terms of waiting for Tyler O'Neill to rejoin the Cardinals to where it, when, when we would ask Ali Marmel or Jean Mozalek about it, it would get, you know, you just would have have kind of the sense of we got to worry about the guys that are here and we'll see him when we see him. Like there wasn't a lot of certainty from the Cardinals side to know what to expect of that Tyler O'Neill situation. So they'd kind of written him off in the way that it was being presented, I thought. But when this guy comes back and he's given the opportunity to play on a regular basis, John Mozalek, 
famously saying he's going to be our everyday left fielder, which kind of began the downturn for Dylan Carlson, which I, I think his lesser play, which he's he's been playing not as well recently, I think that did kind of coincide with the realization that he wasn't going to get as much opportunity. And, you know, Dylan's job, as he would tell you, is to kind of battle through those things and, and make the most of his chances that he does get. Hopefully we can see Dylan turn things around soon. But, yeah, it's been a little bit lesser from him recently. He did have a couple of walks tonight. But, uh, you know, I, I think back to the play on Tuesday night with the triple in the eighth inning. That was one that Carlson probably could have caught. But he looked a little bit uncertain heading toward the outfield wall there. And so it is what it is on that front. But for Tyler O'Neill, he was given that newest opportunity. And we were waiting to see, well, would he make the most of it? And for the most part, I would say that he's done that. On the field, he's done a nice job. He went on the injured list and had an OPS of 620, which is pretty low. That was back in early May. Returned on July 20th, and over the course of the last couple few weeks, 15 games played, 62 plate appearances. Tyler O'Neill has hit 283 with an on-base of 387 and a slugging percentage of 528. It's a 915 OPS with three home runs, seven RBIs in that span. He has increased his season-long OPS from 620 to 730 in just three weeks of games, essentially. That 915 OPS that he's carried over the last few weeks, it's almost identical to what he did the entire season in 2021. That's what the Cardinals see in him. It's not hard to see. You don't have to squint to find it when he's out there and playing and healthy and available. Great hitter, hits for average, hits for power, can get on base. When he gets on base, he can steal you a base. He can run the base as well. He can go first to third. He can score from first on a double in the gap. I mean, he is an athlete. Defensively, as long as he's in left field, gold glove caliber. Diving catches, leaping catches, on the run, throwing, leaving his feet to have assists at home plate. I mean, just... Some incredible athletic stuff, and that is the type of athlete that Tyler O'Neill is. But we all know the story, and the other side of that coin is that his body has not cooperated from a durability standpoint. And that's something the Cardinals have tried to work with him on in recent years, especially coming into this season in the way that they wanted to see him approach things over the winter. He talked a lot about his offseason regimen being more based on providing more durability, trying to add durability to his skill set because it's really been the only thing that's held him back in his major league career. He didn't have great numbers last year like he did in 2021, but last year he wasn't consistently healthy, and so it can be difficult to find a rhythm when you're not regularly on the field and in the action. I think that's kind of what Tyler O'Neill faced last year, so he was in agreement, okay, we'll work on some things in the offseason to make me more available and to be able to bounce back from the minor injuries quicker, all of those sorts of things. He's obviously got the weightlifting background, and that's something he says is never going to go away from his regimen. It's part of what makes him successful as an athlete. But obviously, I think some changes were needed to try and improve his ability to regularly help this team, to be out there for them. And unfortunately, despite those efforts, it hasn't really played out for him that way this year. Having the back injury in particular be something that uh, basically tanked half his season so far if not a little bit more than half, because it was early May when he was out. You lose basically all of May, all of June, and more than half of July before coming back. He's come back, he's played well, but now 
we're looking at this situation that honestly came up out of nowhere. And Tyler O'Neill saying it basically started to tighten up on him during the travel day. As we'll read a little bit from John Denton's story, I believe this is John Denton's story. I, I guess I could be falsely attributing that because it is just a story on MLB.com here, but I don't see a uh, an author involved in this. So it's, uh, I guess I don't know who wrote it. I would give credit if I did. But it's MLB.com, injuries and moves, O'Neill scratched for second straight game. Quote from Tyler O'Neill in this article said, quote, it came on during the travel day and it was pretty sore, stiff Monday during the off day, and I was hoping it was going to work itself out as I was moving around on the field, and that was Tuesday. But it just kind of tightened up on the turf out there. I've got to understand the different playing surfaces and how my body reacted in the past or has reacted in the past. I just didn't feel 100% out there. I want to be full go and full throttle, and I didn't feel like I could do that, so we make sure to take a rest and recovery day. We made sure. That was from Tyler O'Neill describing the situation that he felt with his knee, which led to the scratch on Tuesday and then subsequently the scratch on Wednesday as well. Ollie Marmel from that same MLB.com article, quote, we were hoping he'd be able to go today, talking about Wednesday, and after getting some treatment on the left knee, we felt like it would be better to buy him one more day. So we'll do that and see how he feels tomorrow. It's tougher to play on turf, but our hope is that he can go tomorrow. Not a whole lot of insight necessarily in these quotes, but what did both guys mention? The turf. O'Neill saying, I've got to understand the different playing surfaces and how my body has reacted in the past. And because he didn't feel 100%, I think it's a case of worried that he would further aggravate it. That's my read. All right? We, we, we're going to have our read on this situation without obviously having spoken to the players. And so you always have to take keep that in mind. Take with a grain of salt. Understand that we don't have the full story. But since these are things that I feel like people are wanting to talk about, we'll kind of look into them a little bit. He's bringing up the turf. Derek Gould of STL Today had tweeted out earlier on Tuesday, or Wednesday rather, that Tyler had expressed concern about how his knee had reacted to the turf. Ali Marmel mentioning the turf. So clearly this has been at the center of their conversations as it pertains to the level of caution being taken with the Tyler O'Neill situation here. But it was interesting to hear Ali Marmel after Tuesday's game, the first game in Tampa, on the Valley Sports Midwest postgame show. We talked about this last night on B-Shape Daily. After we wrapped up the conversation about the Miles Michaelis-Andre Palante thing, we finished up the episode talking Tyler O'Neill. So you could scroll back to that episode if you missed anything and you'd like to hear that conversation. Subscribe to B-Shape Daily on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as hitting that subscribe button right here on YouTube. But we talked yesterday because it struck me the way that Ollie Marmel was asked about it after the game and referenced it because you could tell, I think, from his quotes then that this was supposed to be a minor situation. Never do I get the impression hearing anybody talk about this that it's an IL situation waiting to happen. But let's play this from Tuesday night. You can hear the phrasing Ollie Marmel had when he was asked about it. Didn't want to give much away. Maybe didn't know all that much because he did say we have to go and get him looked at again and try and come up with a plan for what Wednesday is going to look like. But you won't hear that in this, this clip. You'll just hear the initial question and his answer. Is there more details on Tyler's knee issue? What's going on? Um, no, other than uh, he didn't feel comfortable playing today. Um, so we scratched him and uh, Burleson uh, ended up DH and went nuke on the left. So I thought that answer from Ollie was kind of funny yesterday. I mentioned it a little bit in the show that 
he, he didn't really give any new information, which that was the question from the cat. Is there any new information? And all he said, no, other than he didn't feel comfortable playing today. That was really the only thing that you could say was new. Interesting way to phrase that. And then he says, and as a result, Newt Barr moves to left field, Burleson DH, which is information we knew from watching the game. So the only new, asked about if there's anything new, he said, no, he wasn't comfortable playing, which kind of feels like something that says a lot without saying that much, right? It's not to say that they looked at him and thought, oh, it's, you know, he's he's got this big knee injury, he can't play. He didn't feel comfortable playing. To me, that was notable because it signals some gray area, I think, when it comes to this scenario. And it's the same kind of gray area that I feel like the Cardinals have maybe had with Tyler O'Neill in the past where it's like, you are telling us that you're hurt and cannot play. Let us know when you can get back in there, I guess. Like, the Cardinals have got to respond to what he says about his body. And Tyler O'Neill seems to very much be a guy that is on the forefront of making sure he doesn't put himself at any unnecessary risk. We can go back to the first week of the season. A little bit wet, a little bit slippery at Bush Stadium. He's rounding third base and was hosed, was thrown out by a mile which led to Ollie Marmel saying that he was dogging it. Tyler O'Neill was very adamant that he wasn't doing so. There's a weird situation. We remember it. We don't have to rehash it and beat it to death again. But it kind of relates to what we have going on here when you think about the way that Ollie has talked about actually improved communication. Maybe not improved. He didn't say the word improved, but he said the communication has been really, really good between Tyler O'Neill and Ollie Marmel. This was Ollie talking, said that, the, the talks and communication with me and Tyler have been great. Kind of knowing what we want to see from him, what he can expect. He's going to be the everyday guy, but we're going to give him breaks. We're going to bake those into his schedule, whether that's you're going to DH this day and then you might play a couple and then you're going to be off completely this day. And then you might, a game plan that everybody can feel good about. So he didn't say that was improved communication, but that is the entire premise, right? Like, the communication is really good now. It's notable because I don't think it was at the beginning of the season. And that I'm not assigning blame to that. It's just very clear that he and Ollie Marmel, Tyler O'Neill and Ollie Marmel, were not on the same page back in April. So when Ollie says within the last couple of weeks that that has turned for the better, you think, oh, great. Now all Tyler O'Neill needs to do a couple months down the stretch, finish strong, be healthy, have this game plan work. Everybody seems to be bought in on the plan. Ollie even making mention that this plan is happening because we don't want him to have to self-monitor, is what Ollie said. We don't want him to have to decide with a game. I don't give it 100% in this spot because I got to make sure I don't get hurt. Cardinals are very adamant that they don't have that in his mindset. If he's out there, he needs to go. They don't have time or room or margin for error to not have somebody out there giving it everything he's got, especially when it's an athlete of Tyler O'Neill's caliber. They just need to see him giving it full bore. Ollie was convinced that those conversations led to knowing that they were in that situation where they could trust that that was going to be the case. They felt very good about the direction. We had seen that in Tyler O'Neill's game. I don't think there's any doubt over the last three weeks or so, he's been really good. Like I said, raised his OPS 110 points. We've seen him make outfield assists. We've seen him make catches on the run. We've seen him run the bases really effectively. Ollie made the comment that he could be the best player on the field on any given night. And he has a skill set that I agree that that's what he could be, Tyler O'Neill. But that brings us to this week in Tampa where he's in the lineup, he's scratched. 
it's such a minor thing that Ollie puts him right back in the lineup the next day and he's scratched again. They were hoping he'd be able to be in the lineup Wednesday. It didn't happen. Now they're saying they're hopeful for Thursday. Ideally, it does happen. But it's so interesting because it's not like it's a big injury. It's more of a, is it fair to say, like preventative maintenance kind of thing? Okay, it's tightened up a little bit. Is that something you should play through or you should be smart about it and lay off of it so you don't injure yourself worse for a guy that does have a history of injuries? That's like the line that the Cardinals are going to have to tow with this O'Neill thing, and it's not going to stop with this week in Tampa. It's going to be the rest of the season. It's going to be in the offseason. It's going to be next spring. It's going to be next season. For as long as he's on the team, they got to find that happy medium. They got to find that sweet spot with Tyler O'Neill where they say, when he's active, available, healthy, good to go, we get a lot of production out of him usually. Especially if he can keep that way for prolonged stretches where he gets into his rhythm. Give him that left field job. He will take it and run with it if he's on the field. But the stopping and the starting and the not knowing how injured is he, does he need the IL, is he just going to be back tomorrow, oh, is it going to be the next day? You know, it's not exclusive to Tyler O'Neill that that happens. We can think of other examples. Nolan Gorman is one that pops out, has flare-ups with his back from time to time. It's happened a number of times over the last month or so, it seems. Paul Goldschmidt on occasion has had that. Arenado has had that on occasion. These are pretty typical things, right? Like backs are something you don't want to screw with, and and guys with a history of tweaking their back, you want to make sure it doesn't get beyond that. And so, for anyone who's ever like hurt their back, even in a mild way, it doesn't feel mild when it just happened. You're like, I cannot physically walk. I can't do this right now. I've been there. I'm probably being dramatic when it's happening, but it feels that way, right? Backs are tricky. You don't want to mess with it. So that's what makes it so interesting to. From the outside, but we don't really know what was going on with Tyler O'Neill's back when he was missing a couple of months this season. To say simultaneously two different things. A, Cardinals need him on the field. He's injury prone. Why can't he get out there? Man, they're getting frustrated with him. And they were. They were. I'm not making that up. Listen to the quotes that they gave to have no level of expectation for when they could expect him back. They just kind of had to go hands off with it and hope for the best. That had to be frustrating for the organization. But the other side of that coin is, well, if the guy says his back is hurt, what are we going to tell him? Like, no, you're fine. Get out there. Like, if he's injured, he's injured, right? So it it's very difficult. If there's an injured player, you don't want that guy to try to push through something and make it worse, potentially. But at the same time, we reward in our minds and the way we talk about players, the grinders of the game, right? The guys that grind through the nagging injuries, the aches and pains, that inevitably are going to come with a baseball season. And we reward those guys with our praise to say, oh man, that guy, he's a grinder. You could count on him being in there no matter what the situation is. Get in the ice tub after the game if that's what you need, but he's going to be in there in the lineup the next day. There are those guys who you you just know that's the case. Does it make a guy a lesser player to not have that be the case? Inherently, I think No. But at the same time, it's a luxury to have the guys who can do it, right? And Tyler O'Neill unequivocally has not been one of those guys. He's been on the other end of that spectrum. But again, it's really touchy to try and make a judgment about what that is and the reasons behind it. Because we're, the only guy that knows the body that he's in is the, is the guy. Tyler O'Neill is the only one that can really know the level of pain. 
And so from the outside, we'll form opinions and say, oh, it's a pain tolerance thing. He doesn't have pain tolerance. That's probably not true with Tyler O'Neill. Look at the guy. But is it maybe a mental aspect of afraid to give it that full bore because you don't want to get hurt? Because maybe you've had injuries in the past and you feel like it's a situation where if you don't trust your footing or trust the field surface or whatever the case might be, that if you can't give it 100%, you don't want to be out there. Do I think that that played into it in early April when Tyler O'Neill was kind of rounding third base, not looking like his uh, most fleet of foot? Yeah, I think that was probably it. He didn't ultimately say it specifically. He referenced vaguely the notion of durability and wanting to be able to keep himself on the field. Only Marmel completely rejected the idea that a game setting is the time to do that. So maybe this is actually a result of, of the improved communication, the positive communication, I should say. I keep saying improved. That's not really the way it was described. All he just said it was really good. Really good communication. Maybe this is a product of that. Because if you're picking out the buzzwords from what these guys are saying, Tyler O'Neill says, I didn't feel 100% out there, and I want to be able to be full go and full throttle. I didn't feel like I could do that, so we made sure to take a rest and recovery day from Tyler O'Neill. Full go, full throttle. This is almost verbatim what Ali Marmel has said about what he wants O'Neill to be able to do when he's in there. So maybe judging this situation as problematic is not the right move if Ali Marmel's on the same page about it. But in the little snippets and the little quotes that we've heard from Ollie, do you sense maybe some frustration there? I think that's fair because I think that's just been frustration with the way O'Neill's season has gone in general. But it's notable to look at the communication and the gap that maybe was there and the fact that Ollie insists that it's really strong over the last couple of weeks, strong since he's come back from the IL. And if that's the case, this result of O'Neill being scratched on consecutive days could be O'Neill just responding to what he's heard from Ollie Marmel, which is what Ollie Marmel has said publicly about we want to develop this game plan, this approach, this training, not training regimen, but schedule for Tyler O'Neill for when he's going to play, when we're going to bake in the rest days, when we're going to bake in the days where he just bats and doesn't play the field, all of those things, so that when we do have him, he's 100%. He said a, a Tyler O'Neill playing 100% four or five days a week is a, a great thing to have in a lineup. So I don't think Ollie Marmel is necessarily as frustrated with this situation as maybe I thought on first blush hearing his comments from yesterday. I think there's frustration there just in general because it's kind of like an oh, here we go again mindset. But the other side of it is if you can read between the lines on this and know that as long as he's 100% when he's in there, Cardinals are cool with it. Ollie's cool with it. Make sure you wait till you're 100%. Then I think maybe that could be something that satisfies all parties. And if he's back in there on Thursday, it's just a blip on the radar. But I look at it from the front office's perspective, and I wonder if they see it the same way. Where if John Mozalak is like, look, we've got this outfield logjam. We're trying to resolve it so that we can have an everyday outfield instead of having it be a rotating cast where five or six guys are getting the, the playing time and they're splitting it and we can't find anybody ways to get into a rhythm as a result. How do we go about that, and how do we fix that for next season? And if you've got a guy that all-world talent, but one week it's this thing, and then it's this other injury, and he's not sure if he could be out there, I think the Cardinals would have a preference for Tyler O'Neill to 
if he's got a little bit of a whatever, a little irritation, a little tightness, find a way to play through it confidently. Is that a difficult ask? Because, again, we give guys credit when they do that. We call them grinders. That's what makes this conversation so unique because there's a lot of nuance to it, and it's hard to make a sweeping proclamation about, like, it's just one thing because it can change on a dime. A guy who were like, oh, my gosh, the nagging injuries just won't go away. Maybe Tyler O'Neill plays Thursday, and then he plays every time that they put him in the lineup for the next month and a half, and it's suddenly not an issue anymore. Maybe the new regimen, the new schedule works, and this is just a, a flare-up that happens because these guys are world-class athletes putting their bodies through a lot on a given day, on a given week. And for whatever reason on the travel day, uh, you get their Monday, they tightened up on it. And then didn't feel good on the turf Tuesday. Thought, let's rest it, let's not risk it. But does it get to a point for the front office where you have a bottom-line approach to this and say, we have been going through this we have tried to get the most out of Tyler O'Neill. Do we have confidence that he can be that guy for us next year if we're seeing more of the same things happen in 2023, which was supposed to be a year in which he worked on durability coming into the season and was going to be available more? At what point do they say we've done everything we can do and maybe he's got more value to us via trade than he does as, as the everyday left fielder? I don't know. That might not be the way they look at it. Tyler O'Neill's numbers, if they're good, if he gets back healthy and plays the rest of the year and gets the OPS up and it's 800 at the end of the season, they're going to go, well, that's a pretty valuable guy to have in there. And the skill set is undeniable. That's what makes this such a tricky conversation. But what do you think the Cardinals are thinking about this and what do you think they should do when it comes to Tyler O'Neill? I'll go ahead and say I expect him to be in there on Thursday. I think it'll work out. He'll be in the lineup Thursday. Maybe this is just part of the plan that Ollie and Tyler have put together together to say, you need to be giving 100% when you're in there, and if you don't feel you can do that, let me know. And we will make sure we can get you back to that point as soon as we possibly can. Maybe that's what this is. John Mozalock watching from afar, though. How does he view it? He's the guy that's got to make out that lineup basically on paper next year. Ollie puts it into the lineup card, but... Mo from the top has to say, okay, do we think Newt Bar could be an everyday center fielder? We love what he's doing offensively. Another home run tonight. OPS is up over 820. Lars is at an 826 OPS. It's identical to Nolan Gorman and only 15 points behind Nolan Arenado. Those are the three highest OPSs on the team. Goldie down at 810. So he's playing every day. Newt happened to be the DH today. But in a world where they don't see Dylan Carlson as an everyday player, does Newt Bar, do they feel confident he can handle center field defensively? Or would you rather have Newt Bar in a corner spot and figure out center field however you do it? I'm starting to think that the answer should just be Victor Scott here down the road. I saw MLB Pipeline is going to update their prospect rankings, the uh, top 30 for every team. I think that's coming on Thursday. Victor Scott, though, is interesting, man. At double A this year, he's hitting 336 with a 389 on base, 420 slug for an 809 OPS. So you might say, well, that's not that great for double A. It's only been 31 games, 145 plate appearances. And uh, Victor Scott, as well, is, what is he, 20, 22 years old? So still developing, certainly. But what's really interesting about Victor Scott is between high A uh, out in Peoria and Springfield double A this year, 97 games, dude has stolen 73 bases. He's on a quest for 100 steals this year. He's 73 for 82 
in stolen base attempts. But he's OPSing above 800 in double A, and he plays a really good defensive center field. He glides. He flies to the baseball. I wonder, I talked in a recent episode, like, do they go for like a Kevin Kiermaier or somebody that they think can hit right-handed pitching and can be a sterling defensive center fielder? And that allows your lineup to line the way you need it to. Would they consider something like that? I don't know if they would because they've got a log jam in the outfield. So unless you're trading O'Neill and Carlson, I don't think that really makes sense. But Newpar playing left field with a good defensive center fielder who can also OPS like 775, get on base, hit right-handed pitching. If Jordan Walker can stick in right field, we know he's been a, a, a bad fielder, one of the worst fielders in baseball this year. But he's only played outfield for about a year. I think it's going to be a huge offseason for Jordan Walker trying to figure out what that looks like and if he can stick out there. And then maybe Alec Burleson is kind of that fourth outfielder for that version of a Cardinals team next year. Or do they buy into Tyler O'Neill one more time and say, look, it's his walk year, but we think we can get a lot of productivity out of him, and so we're going to let this happen. I am very intrigued. The starting pitching, that's an obvious one. The Cardinals are going to have to address it. We know the rotation is is not complete. It's maybe not even 20% complete. Well, 20, yes. 40, hopefully, with Michaelis and Steven Matz. Beyond that, though, I mean, again, Dakota Hudson, five innings, three runs allowed tonight. It was a typical Dakota Hudson start. Seven hits allowed. Two home runs allowed. Only two strikeouts. Only one walk, which I guess is a positive. And he gets the win. Good for him. But, like, is Hudson, is he going to be able to do enough to convince the Cardinals, like, we should give you a long look in spring training next year? I don't think he will. He had a good seven-strikeout outing the, the previous week. But this was back to kind of what we expect to see. Grind through five, give up two or three runs, try to get some double plays in there for all the hits and, and walks that you tend to allow. And if you get burned by the home run, that's, you know, it's going to be what it is. Keep your team in the game. D- Dak did that, so credit to him. But we know they got to they got to address the starting pitching. But the outfield is the other one where I think there are a lot of different machinations, a lot of different ways that this could go with guys that you trade or don't trade, guys that you commit to in a given position or guys you don't commit to, guys you, you want to see their bat in the lineup like a Burleson, but you don't know where to put it. Is there a way to even have a Burleson as an everyday outfielder or is that too much of a drag on your defense if you expect Walker also to be in the outfield every day defensively. There's a lot to get to when it comes to that. And so I think that's maybe the most intriguing situation because I I feel like they have to do something, but I honestly don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to involve Dylan Carlson again. I don't know if it's going to involve Tyler O'Neill again. The easy like the least the path of least resistance, I guess would be the way to phrase it would be just have everybody come back next year and do this again. But that's the one thing they can't do. They have to make a decision. You can't hoard everybody forever and then say, well, at least we didn't trade anybody away that burned us, like Arena, who is going to face uh, Libertor on Thursday. That'll be fun. But no, eventually you've got to make decisions on these guys. And look, I like Dylan Carlson, but I'm reading the writing on the wall as well as you guys are, that the Cardinals have not, at least from like a front office perspective, have not really backed him as a guy that they expect to be long for this team, perhaps. I mean, a lot of us expected him to be traded at the deadline. He wasn't. Oli Marmel has stood in his corner. 
Ollie Marmel is the guy making out the lineup card. And he, Dylan's playing a decent amount. He's playing right now. Admittedly, not doing a lot with those opportunities. So what do the Cardinals make of that? Do they see that and say, all right, we got we to gotta move on? Do they get convicted and say he's only 24 years old? We think he's got more in the tank, like Ollie Marmel seemed to suggest a couple of weeks ago. What do they do with Dylan? Tyler O'Neill. You've got all these unique situations. Every dang one of them, except for Lars Nupar, his situation is easy. It's he goes out and plays every single day because he is the best outfielder on this team. But with Walker, you need the bat in there, but can he ever learn the outfield? That's going to be the existential question. Burleson, I'm starting to really think you want the bat in there against right-handed pitching, but can he be serviceable enough in the outfield? And can the bat with regular opportunity be the bat that it looks like it is developing into? I mean, again, go look at Burleson's numbers of late. He's He's been a good hitter. Doesn't strike out a lot. Very intriguing player. But he plays first base and corner outfield. Well, they've got Paul Goldschmidt and they've got a bunch of other dudes that are trying to fit into the corner outfield as well. Every single one of the outfielders, there's five of them really, all of them have something kind of interesting, a debate surrounding them except for Lars. The debate is does he play left or center and does he lead off or does he bat as a middle of the order guy? That's all you got to debate with Newpar. We have seen his progression absolutely come through. There's not a lot to talk about there. But everybody else, you've got to figure out those two spots on a daily basis, and then maybe the DH gets mixed into that as well because I kind of thought beginning of the year that we'd see outfielders in the DH spot more often than we than we honestly have. We're starting to see it a little bit more last couple days, but that's also coincided with the Brendan Donovan injury. He's not on the active roster and won't be the rest of the year after season-ending surgery. So I don't really know what the game plan is going to be moving forward, but interesting to think about the way Tyler O'Neill might mix into it or not based on just another round of, uh, I don't know, kind of a nagging injury, kind of a lack of comfort with him playing. Hard to rip the guy for that because, again, I'm not in his body to know how it feels and to know what's going on there. But at the end of the day, this game, Major League Baseball, does reward guys who can grind through and be warriors. Those are the guys that are celebrated. Is it fair? I don't know. It's not supposed to be fair, I think is the bottom line of it. And if the Cardinals could snap their fingers and have Tyler O'Neill embody more of that, I think they would do it. But the other side of that coin remains, you don't want a guy to get himself legitimately injured. So it is going to be a tough line that the Cardinals are going to have to tow, and they're going to have to make their decision with how how far they want to take it with the kid gloves, so to speak, with being very cautious, or is it something that they feel is worth it because of his obvious upside? Or is it something that they feel like we just can't do this with every player? We've got guys that are going to have, you know, those little situations. We've been patient when Gorman has him pop up with the back. It's not a reason to get rid of a guy. He's a great player, right? Tyler Neal can be that same thing, but they have to get the availability to be more consistent. Whatever that means, it doesn't have to be a hot take. Maybe maybe it's best that it isn't. It's not Tyler O'Neill's got to get his, you know, he's got to get out there and play. Maybe that's not the right thing. But it is a bottom line league, and I do know the Cardinals are going to need to know what they can count on, what they can expect if they're planning to make this thing happen in 2024, who they're going to build around. I think it's going to be really interesting. And it is nuanced. I don't think it's as simple as I can just sum this up in one sentence. 
and I can rip the team or I can rip O'Neal or I can rip nobody and say it doesn't matter. Like, I don't, I don't think it's simple like that. But we tried to lay out the nuance here as much as we can. It is a bit of an open-ended question, so I'll leave it open-ended for you guys. But let me know in the comments section on YouTube, youtube.com slash at bshafer12, what you think of this Tyler O'Neill stuff. Big deal, not a big deal. Let him rest because this season doesn't matter. I, I saw some of those comments on Twitter today, and I kind of pushed back on that and said, look, I do think it matters for Tyler O'Neill because he needs to demonstrate that he can be out there for the team so that they have more confidence that he'll be able to do it next year when it counts. So I do think those are there are things you can learn about the Cardinals going the rest of the way, and that's one of them that'd be valuable to learn. The level to which they want to push their chips in on Tyler O'Neill for another year or not, I think that has to come from seeing him play this year and seeing kind of what he does with this opportunity. And that can color their decisions moving forward. Comment on YouTube, like this video, make sure to hit subscribe on the YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash at bshafer12. It's Brendan Schaefer, St. Louis Cardinals writer, writer for KMOV, talker for KTGR and bshafer daily. That is going to do it though for this edition of the show. Appreciate you guys as always. I am going on vacation down to the Ozarks beginning Thursday, but I will be bringing the laptop with me, hoping to do some more recordings of B-Shape Daily. So just kind of stay tuned. May not be every day over the next week, but we'll be ready to to pounce if if anything big happens. And hopefully we'll at least be able to do some kind of daily updates. Maybe not as long as our usual episodes, but enough to kind of keep on top of things going on in Cardinals land right here on B-Shaped Daily. Peace!